Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? I really enjoy hearing my husband play guitar. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. I just enjoy it because I know it comes out of a heart that's purpose is to just build up and strengthen you in the things of God yep. and just yep, that's right. help you to experience the plan and purpose of God for your life. Wonderful music that comes from the right source can actually soothe an aching heart. Amen. It matters what the source is. You know, I, I was talking with someone and I said, you know, my uncle's not buried on Normandy Beach so that these people can sing filthy songs with filthy words. And they said, well, yes, that's exactly the reason he's there. And I said, no, no, because you see, democracy without morals is no good. And we, we fought and bled for democracy, but not without morals. If it's without morals, it's of no use. It's better than any other system, but just a cut above. It's not really good. It's no good. So if that's what you want to do, then I think you ought to go fight. <laughs> well, hallelujah. <laughs> Wasn't that good? Oh, thank you so much. for uh, Somebody gave it some... Where's, where's Rose? Is she here? Oh, yeah, our little basket of all our stuff. Oh, I love it. And then uh, Shannon gave us some, bas uh, uh, some stuff and... And, and every food, night every after night the meeting, after the my goodness, I don't know who all's been cooking, but we have been eating lobster and steak and crap. <laughs> I'm telling you, church, you just don't know what you've been missing. <laughs> and uh, where were you, right? Yeah, we just, you know, orange you got the crumbs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, church. Sorry, it's just been a real but, blessing. Uh, we wish you were there, but we're glad you weren't because there was more food for us. And And we've uh, really enjoyed listening to your pastor tell all his jokes. And, uh, and uh, yeah, be praying for you. We're, we're, yeah, we'll be praying for y'all. Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're glad you live here. And uh, oh no, if the Lord told us to move here, we would we would cry, but we would come. And, uh, <laughs> Not agree. because of you guys, really. I think, really, Pastor, your people are wonderful. I don't know. You're, you're just a blessed man. I'm she was just born in Tulsa. That's her home, you know. If you were born here, it's your home. No, I'm, I'm talking about how wonderful the people are, you know. that's you know, It's kind of like Lois and Ray are great in spite of me. and uh, Or maybe I'm great in spite of them. I can't remember. Which. I don't know, but I think we're working on the first part right oh, now. Oh, okay. I think we're working on me. Oh, but you know, we just if it gets too wild, we want to thank you up, right up front. Because we never know how they're going to end. <laughs> if we're all going to be on our face before God and praying, or if we're all going to be screaming and running around the church. If you're a visitor, don't leave. Lock the door. And uh, I'm just kidding. We just believe that it's good to have fun in church. If we don't have, we're in church almost seven nights a week. If we don't have fun in church, we don't have fun. So, but we're in church quite a bit. And uh, it's a place where you grow and learn and be filled and encouraged and be healed and have fun. Hallelujah. And fellowship and sistership and 
But we thank you so much for everything you do. That it, you know, it takes everybody to, to have a meeting like this, you know, to 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 help it to help it be successful. Hallelujah. So we're just gonna go there together tonight, aren't we? It's one of the words that you're gonna remember after tonight. Together, you are greater together than you are alone. Yep. Yep. And uh, just hang on, and you're gonna really hear some things that will help reinforce that idea and hopefully will reinforce the plan of God in your life. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, I love what it says actually before that. It says uh, in verse uh, 6, we may boldly say, well, he has, he had, he himself, uh, Hebrews 13 5, it says, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says that in context of being content with what you have and not have, living a covetous life. Because he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You know, if God is with you, then God's got all his stuff with him. <laughs> and that means all his stuff is with you. He says, you don't have to be thinking you need something else. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's what he says. And the reason he says it is so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So what do we boldly say? The Lord is our helper. The Lord is the one uh, who, who, re who relieves us and gives us assistance. He's the one who helps us. So we will not fear. What can man do to me? And then he goes on and says, remember those who lead you, who've spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, when somebody's following Jesus, there's a consistency that comes to their life. No matter what's happening, no matter what anyone is doing to them or not to them, there's a consistency that comes to their life because they're not drawing it from any other source but God. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, those who, who you want to follow are those who are drawing from the same source that's always the same, Jesus Christ, yesterday, today, and forever. How many of y'all believe that's true? Yes. You know what that means? If he ever did it, he's still doing it. If he ever did it, he's still doing it because he doesn't change. You say, yeah, but this changed. No, 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 no. You got to understand the Lord is your helper. You don't have to fear what men do. Follow those who know Jesus because the same thing is going to be happening. There's consistency. Healing is not something that happened yesterday, but it's not happening today. It's the same because Jesus is the same. Yes, Jesus is the same. Amen. Yes. Amen. Victory is not just something that happened yesterday. Because if it happened yesterday, it's because Jesus gave it. Yes. And if it happened in Jesus yesterday, it's happening in Jesus today. Yes. And if it happened in Jesus and you're following Jesus, it's happening in you. you. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Oh, Psalms 126 said this. I'm just going to read this and we're going to start singing. And, you know, Romans 12 says... Uh, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We don't, we don't mind crying sometimes when somebody needs us to cry with them. But, you know, he says rejoice with those who rejoice. The Message Bible says learn to laugh with your happy friends. <laughs> you say, well, I don't really feel like laughing. Well, you know what? It's just appropriate behavior. Oh, yeah. 
It's appropriate, you know, Romans 12, experiencing the will of God behavior, that if somebody is laughing and somebody is enjoying the presence of God, you just enjoy it with them. Oh, yeah. Hey. That's the right. That's actually the right way to do it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, uh, 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 singing with thankfulness in your heart unto the Lord. And he says that you just, you, you, you just cause that to overflow in you. And, you, you know, there's something about coming together with people that causes an increase of that which each one of us individually has. And I know some of y'all are here tonight and you just think, I just don't, I, I, I just feel so small. Well, that's why we're having church. Yeah. So that there can be a realization that you got more than just one bullet in your gun, Barney Five. Yeah, 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 yeah. That actually you got the plan of God. You're a part of something bigger than just you are. You're a part of the very plan of God that is always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He says in Psalms 126, I'd love to read this. He said, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, he turned it. He said, we were like those who dream. What happens when you receive God's turning in your life? I'm telling you, there's been a turn in this these two services we've had. You don't ever have to go back. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going back. I've increased and I'm I'm moving up in the things of God and, and yes. greater greater yes. glory. Yes. yes, There's greater glory. Greater, greater you know what that glory. means? There's a greater manifestation of the yes. things of God. A great the things of God, the yes. glory, the yes. things yes. of God, things where of God, God dwells, what God does, how he does it. It's greater. Yes. It'll never be diminished oh, again. Yes. It's greater. And he said, when we, when we received that, he said, we were like those who dream. We were like those who dreamed. In other words, if you try to explain it to somebody who's never got anything from God, they think it seems unreal. But yeah. it's not unreal. It's more real. More. It's unchanging. It's always the same. And they're always looking at something that changes every day, including them. I mean, you might not think it when you're 16, but I can guarantee you. You're going to change before, you know, you get, you know, give it a little time and things will change. (laughs) But there's something that doesn't change. And that is the truth and the power of the life of God that you've received in Jesus Christ. He said, we were like those who dream. Our mouth filled with laughter. Yeah. Your mouth filled with laughter and your tongue with singing. Two things that always happen to people when they are aware of God's presence and turning in their life. They want to sing and they want to laugh. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, Psalms 2 says Okay. He, Maybe you aren't aware tonight, huh? They want to sing and they want to laugh. Well, Psalms 2 says God sits in heaven and laughs and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So it sounds normal to me. And he says... Somebody help Lois and I speak tonight. Then they you know, help, help us. Help our voice. He said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Glory to God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same power, the same Jesus, the same victory, the same freedom, the same healing every day. Aren't you glad? Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad for something that's firm and solid in my life, born by the Spirit of God. I want to read you something out of the book of Matthew. If you, when you find your seats and 
um, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. I want to read you a portion of scripture. And I want to read you something about um, probably one of the most important questions. Well, it is the most important question you'll ever have answered in your life. And it ties everything you'll ever do in your life is tied to this answer. In Matthew chapter 16, there's a reason I want to read this. I've uh, shared some things with you before along these lines, but there's some other things I'd like to share with you. Um, it's very important. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus came, verse 13, and Jesus came into a region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, or others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Who is Jesus? He's asking. Does anybody know who I am? He's asking. He's asking his disciples. Who do people think that I am? Does anybody know? And they said, well, some say Elijah, some the, one of the, uh, Jeremiah, uh, John the Baptist, or one of the prophets. But that wasn't one of the answers, that wasn't the answer he wanted, was it? No, and I'm telling you, it's still not the answer that fits. <laughs> we can be on the streets of any town in, in, in the world and, and ask who Jesus is and get more than one answer. But that's not the answer that'll work for you. He's asking, do you know who I am? And they said, then he asked, he continued to ask, but who do you say that I am? So obviously what they said was not the answer he was looking for. And so in verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the right answer. The Christ, the son of the living God. Who is Jesus? Number one, the most important question you'll ever have answered in your life is who is Jesus Christ? If you're wondering what God is like, the Bible said Jesus came, was the uh, express image of God in Colossians 1.15. He literally describes who Jesus is and then tells us in John chapter 1 that when God moved into our neighborhood, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the very glory of the living God. Jesus was his name. If you want to know what God is like, you can't listen to Saturday Night Live because you look at the, that's not the source. What you want to do is see who Jesus, what he did, and you know what God does. Because he said, I always do the things that please my father. But you know, it doesn't stop there because God's got a plan not only to uh, save your life, but to bring his saving plan to the world. It does come to you, but it doesn't end with you. And if you ever move on from, if you, if you don't move on from there, you will probably not be here when we come back about, you know, three or four years from now. Because as much as, it, as, as wonderful as it is to understand that, the reason I don't think you should stop there is because Jesus didn't stop there. You know, I, I'm just following the example. When they said, when, when Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, then Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So we understand that, under, that knowing who Jesus is, is a revelation from God in heaven. 
In other words, it's not just something that you have because of a natural ability. It's something you have because you are uh, able to uh, hear and hear the voice of God and hear from God. And he speaks words that come out of heaven. Amen. That's why you want to read the Bible. Because the Bible are words from heaven. The Bible says that these words will never pass away. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God shall never pass away. That's why I love flowers, but I don't worship flowers. <laughs> I worship the one who made the flowers. That's not what sustains me, and that's not what I worship. But he goes on, and he says, uh, um, now he gets in. Now we, we see who Jesus is, but now he says in verse 18, and he doesn't say this is a new thought. This is a connective thought. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my, what does he say? Church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosened, loosed in heaven. He says, he says, this is who I am. You figured out who I am. But now for you to understand the rule and reign of God's authority on this earth, it's very necessary for you to make a connection with who you are and who you are must be connected to the church. Do you understand those three things in there? Who Jesus is, who you are. And who is the church? And you say, well, why does he connect the church to it? Because you're made for the church. But the church is actually this word church. And, and, and I, if, I, if I can do one thing <laughs> to help you to understand the church tonight, it will be for you to understand it in the view that the, the New Testament brings it, uh, the emphasis. And in the New Testament, 114 times the word church is used, but 90 out of 114, it literally is referring, 90, not 1990, it refers to a local Public assembly. Local public assembly. <laughs> Local. That means in every place there is a place that God calls his people together and they call, they are called together in public, not in private. That's why when people say, you know, uh, I, I just have church in my, you know, boat on Sunday morning. Well, you really can't have church on your boat on Sunday morning. Because church is actually, this word is a secular term in Greek, uh, in the Greek language. And when Jesus used it here, he did not change the meaning of it. He just caused it to be understood in light of the plan of God. And the really the best depth, it's a secular uh, understanding, but it literally, if you can grasp it in light of the plan of God, you got it. Church, a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place that pretty plain a gathering of citizens church and assembly uh, called out from their homes into some public place why do we call a come out in from our homes into some public place well there is a strengthening that god brings to your life when you join together with the church under the plan that god has uh, for your time on this earth that you don't get any other way 
any other way. It just doesn't happen. In fact, uh, uh, the, the, what I want to bring out to you tonight is out of the book of Ephesians because uh, the book of Ephesians is the book in the New Testament. Actually, all the epistles are written to the church about the church. All of them. Every epistle, Ephesians, Galatians, uh, Romans, First uh, and Second Corinthians, all of the epistles are written to the church and they are about the church. The book of Acts, what are the, the, the acts that, that, that we, we see that are done by the people in the book of Acts are all sustained and all either helped or hindered according to how the church functions in that move. In the book of Acts, the people they chose to go on trips came from churches. In the book of Acts, the anointing to go out into the place that God had called them to came from a church meeting. In Acts chapter 13, when hands were laid on Barnabas and Saul, they were at the church in Antioch. A local public assembly of believers. And you say, why is that? Because every purpose in your life individually comes from the purpose that is in the church. Now, for you to understand this really well, I'll tell you, it will save your life. You may be sincere, you may love God, but it will save your life if you understand the church because you are made for the church. You know, 1 Corinthians 12 calls us members of the body. What does Ephesians 1.23 say the body is? The church. The body of Christ is the church. What does he call the church? He also calls it the body of Christ. Why does he call it the body of Christ? Because we are members individually. Individually we are members. In other words, who you are individually is really only able to function as you are in the body. Y'all got that? Your hand is really great, but if it's not connected to your arm, it will not be able to function the way it was made to function. And if you try to get it to function without the arm, you're going to be so disappointed. <laughs> and as time goes on, you'll be more disappointed. It's the same way with you individually as a member of the body of Christ. But the book of Ephesians, I'm going to, I know what time it is. Aren't you glad the person who's talking knows what time it is? There are, there are actually, I want to give you just one thing out of the, uh, each chapter that's in the book of Ephesians to help you to understand the church. And I, I you know, it really uh, uh, just has increased my understanding of who I am. Ephesians is a wonderful book for understanding who you are. In, in, you know, in Christ Jesus, who you are as a Christian. But the only reason it just about blows your mind to see who you are in Christ when you read Ephesians is because it's who you are in the church. It's who the church is. It's not just who you are. It's who the church is. And you're made for the church. That's what you're made for. You actually function best when you are in membership. With a local body of believers. In fact, you know, it's God's plan. That's the way God planned it. Remember what Billy Brim always said that Brother Hagin told her that scripture in 1 Corinthians 10. He said there's three kinds of people on the earth today God recognizes. The Jews, the nations, and the church. And he said you will keep your end time doctrine correct if you know who you are. And you, you keep those three people groups you understand those three people groups on the church. 
on the earth. The Jews, the nations, and the church. If you're in the, Jew, if you're in the Jewish uh, uh, family or you're in the nations, is anybody who's not in the church, that's all the other you know, people, nations of the earth, Gentiles or Greeks, different ones will say. But it's actually when you become a Christian, whether you're a Jew or you're in any other nation, you become a member of the church. So those are the three groups of people that God still recognizes on this earth today. How many of you know that when Jesus died and rose again, the church age began? It began, honey, and I'm telling you, we are winding it up here. But if we want the plan of God to increase in our life, we must increase in the things that produce the plan of God. And that is the church. And just real briefly here, I want to read you a couple, uh, just a scripture out of each. There's six chapters in the book of Ephesians. So I'm going to help you to understand the functioning of the church. And when I say church... I don't want you to think spiritual, mystical body throughout all the earth. I understand that there is a, 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 that is a truth of the church, but you under, you just gotta understand me that you will never really understand the spiritual, mystical body, one body in all the earth, except through the functioning of a local assembly. It's not gonna connect with you. It'll just be theology. You'll got notes on it, but nothing will actually activate in your life. That happens through the local church. And so when I read church here, every time I read church, instead of just thinking about, you know, well, that's me all by myself. No, it's not you all by yourself. You are a member of the body, the church. You are a part of something. And when you understand that, I'm telling you, whatever you've enjoyed of God's good blessing that's come to you through redemption before this time, I'm telling you, we're going to take the lid off of it, honey. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to real quickly read you these scriptures here. And actually, Ephesians chapter 1, the prayer that's in Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse uh, 17, is actually a New Testament. If you want to say it's just a, it's a, it's a clearer viewpoint of the same truth that's in Matthew, uh, the, the, the scripture I just read, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. Jesus gave him a viewpoint of it before he ro- died and rose again, and And now Paul comes over here in the book of Ephesians and he gives us that clearer definition of the same truth in light of who Jesus is. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 he says, The God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you would know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Do you see how it goes from knowing who Jesus is to understanding who you are because of what he's done? But it doesn't stop there. It's great you understand who Jesus is and who you are, the according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, the working uh, toward us who believe. So he's getting us focused on what God was doing in Jesus. But look at this now, the which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He put all things under his feet. He put all things, in other words, he, he is above all things. He has lordship, authority, rule, and dominion over all things. 
When he died and rose from the grave, there was nothing, there was nowhere, no place that he did not exercise the dominion and rule of the kingdom of God over. I mean, over all things. You understand? All means all. But what is it? How come we don't see all things, uh, the dominion of all things? If he's got dominion of all things, I know the devil's still hanging out in your, you know, maybe in your living room. But you know what? He's defeated. Well, what is it that will help us to understand this? I'm glad you asked. Let's keep reading. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to who? Who is it he gave that uh, ruling power to? Who? The church. Now, I don't want you to just think, oh, me, Bubba, I'm all by myself. I'm on my boat on Sunday. I got, you do have it by yourself, but you got to understand that the reality of the plan of God is not just a single isolated truth. It is understanding it in light of the plan of God. And you are not just saved all by yourself. You are saved to be a part of the plan of God, which is the church. You understand what I'm saying? The church, uh, to be head over all things to the church. Look at this now. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Where's my message Bible? All the translations and all the different ones that I've read, there's none of them that say it as good as the message. They all say it good. Uh, the church is Christ's body filled by him who fills all things everywhere with his presence. But listen to this in the message Bible. At the center of all of this... Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Maybe I ought to read that again. The church, I I want to get this real quick here. Get it, get it, get it. We're getting it, we're getting it. The church, he says, uh, he says, uh, all the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. What is he saying here about the church? He is saying that actually the things that govern your generation on this earth are not the things that are happening in the world. They are the things that are happening in the church. Is that what he just said? He filled uh, the fullness. He says, above all things, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. When he talks about the body, he's talking about individual members functioning with one purpose. Your body always expresses your purpose, always. And he said, my body is on this earth in the form of individual members who've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and they join together. And when they come together, my purpose is revealed. You must see this. I know I'm about to, I know some of y'all are thinking, what does this mean to me? But I'm telling you, it will make the difference between you just having, uh, 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 you know, a few occasional, uh, uh, things from heaven happening in your life and a continual flow. 
through, uh, uh, I want you to see this now. The, uh, the, the, the message Bible says, see exactly what he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for Christians. The utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. For the church is the power and the place of his power on this earth. Number one, the church is a place of his, uh, uh, where is that? The church is a place of revelation. What does it reveal? It reveals the plan of God on this earth. It's a place of revelation. It's a place of uncovering that which has been hidden from generations and not known by man, but now it is made known by the church. Oh, glory to God. Number one, it's a place of revelation. I'm going to just keep going here. We're going to hook up. And then Ephesians chapter 2. Now look at Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, I want you to notice a word that's used over and over and over and over. Starting at verse 4, verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive. What's the word? Together with Christ. And raised us up. What? Together and made us sit. What? Together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's talking about a place where things come together. They come together because of what Jesus has done. But now look over in verse 20, uh, 19. And he says, now therefore you are no longer strangers, foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built together on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone on whom the whole building being fit, Fitted how? Together. You get that word together? The whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom also you are builded what? Together for a habitation of God by the Spirit. What does that word together mean to you? It means you join together. I like to say it like this. You are greater together than you are alone. God's got something for you to do, but I'm telling you, he's got something for you to do together. Now, when you would have never gotten into that place except that Jesus came and one person, he brought all the differences and all the things of all people into one place in, in all of eternity. And by his blood, he joined us together with him. And now we are joining together because our un- unity in Jesus Christ is greater than any differences we had before him. You are greater together than you are. I just didn't want to for, uh, you are greater together than you are alone. And so I like to say this about the church. Number two, it is a place where you come together. Together. You say Christianity is a place I came together with Christ. Yeah. And church is a place where you come together in Him. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Uh, one translation says, you know, don't get in the habit of not coming to church. <laughs> Even much more so as you see the day approaching. I'm telling you, the devil wants to mess with your commitment to the local church. You want to know why? Because if he can mess with your commitment to the local church, he can mess with your commitment to Jesus. You say, oh, no, I stay committed to Jesus. I'll just tell you something. 25 years I've never known anyone, I don't care how sincere they are, 
who stayed committed strongly to Jesus, who was not strongly committed to a local church. I've never known anyone. I've known a lot of people who were sincere and love God, but in their daily life, you understand and you can see that something else has caught their attention. They still love God, but their commitment is not as strong as it should be. I've never known anyone. And you know, you, maybe you're going to surprise me, but according to the word, I don't think you will. In Ephesians chapter three, in Ephesians chapter three, I'm just going to read you this one verse here. He's talking about the mystery that was hidden, an unseen thing, but is now revealed. And he says, and now, uh, to make verse nine, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Verse 10. There's my, here's my verse to the intent that now unto the the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by who the church, the manifold wisdom of God. The purpose of all of this Barclay says was through the church to make known the many colored wisdom of God to the demonic rulers and powers and authorities in heavenly places. The message Bible says it so clear. It's got a great message. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, the extraordinary plan of God is being, becoming known. The extraordinary plan of God. How many of you know that the plan of God is a plan of glory? What does he say? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what is the plan that God's going to reveal through the church? Go on, let me read. i got to read one more here. He says... <laughs> I'm sorry, it's hard to do this. Verse 16, he says, He'll grant you out of the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might and all by His Spirit in your inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you may be rooted and grounded in love and comprehend with all the saints. All the saints. You say, I just don't quite get it. I don't understand it. We'll come together with all the saints. And he says that you would see the width, the length, the depth, and know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Verse 20. And now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. This is my verse now. Verse 10 and verse 21. I doubled up. To him be glory in who? The church. By Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. What is the church? The church number three is a place of glory. What happens when God comes on the scene? His glory and goodness is manifest. I'm telling you right now, the church manifests, Ephesians 3.10, when he said, to the very demonic rulers and powers, that, 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 that when he says the manifold wisdom of God, he's saying, man, God's got so many ways of displaying his ability. He's got so many ways, and all, every single one of them is seen through the church. He's got so many ways. I'm telling you, he says, if I've got so many ways, he says in verse 21, to him be glory in the church throughout all ages. He says, I don't care what time it is. I got a plan of glory for that time. You say, how's he got that plan? In the church. In the church. Oh, the glory of God. I'm telling you, number three, the church is a place of glory. And now go to Ephesians chapter four. I said, I'm halfway there and I'm, I'm, I'm speeding up, whether you believe it or not. In, in, uh, in, in Ephesians chapter four, he says in, in verse, uh, 15, I want to read this to you. I was writing these down today because I, I wanted to really, 
I wanted to give you some specific ideas that would help you here. Well, let me see. Ephesians 4, he says in verses 3 and 4, there's, there's one body, one spirit, you're called in, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all, through you all, and in you all. And he goes on and he says, he's given us grace, he's given us gifts, but he says, what, what are, what is all of this for? Verse 13, we all come to the unity of the faith. I'm, I'm kind of skipping along here that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro tossed about with every wind of doctrine but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things and he says and that every joint supplies the effectual working what every part does it share it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love he's talking about a place of joining together he's talking about a place of working together but I'll tell you for sure he's talking about a place of unity one Lord, one God, one faith, one, uh, one, one God and Father who's above all, through all, and in us all, the gifts of the Spirit, everything functions according to unity. Let me tell you something. What is united by God cannot be divided by this world. You must be united with the plan of God. How do you unite with that? You unite with that through the functioning of the church. How do the gifts of the spirit enforce that unity? Oh, they do it as each part functions together. Unity is actually the most important component of functioning as the church. If you don't have unity, you won't have the anointing. And if you won't have the anointing, you won't have any power. And if you won't have any power, you are going to be doing something on your own that you don't have the ability to sustain. Psalms 33 says, Behold and how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garments like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. There. What did unity bring? It bought, brought the blessing of God, the anointing of God. What does it bring in Ephesians 4? It brings the gifts of the Spirit. It brings the help of the Holy Ghost. It brings the power and presence of God. What does it? Unity. Anytime the devil's trying to divide 1 Corinthians 12 verse 10, I think he says, don't let there be any division in the body. Anytime you're dealing with something that's trying to cause division, you are dealing with something straight from hell. I don't care what it is. Don't let it work in you. I'm telling you, there have been times in our church, our pastors preached on things I didn't agree on. <laughs> I bet that's never happened here, has it? Hey, I can tell you the truth. I preached on some things that after I listened to the tape, I thought, I don't know if I agree with that or not. But you know what you do at those times? Instead of being divided, you join together with those things that are greater than what is trying to divide you. You think of those things. Well, what is it that we've joined together with? What is it the purpose of God has brought us together? You come to those things. You camp on those things. And don't cause division. Because I'm telling you, the devil can't overcome you, but he would like to diminish your effect. And you know how he does it? Through division. You know how the anointing flows freely and the blessings of God come? Through unity. 
united by God. Oh, and, and everything in here, the growth, the progress, the stability, the advancement in your life that's, that, that is a part of functioning in the church all works together through unity. You want to be a stable, growing, progressing person? Unity. Unity. And in Ephesians chapter 5, so Ephesians chapter 4, the church is a place of, a un- of unity. In Ephesians chapter 5, we can actually figure it out as we read the first two verses. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and what? Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. What did God do in Jesus Christ? He loved us and gave himself for us. Number three, the church is a place of love. And if you read the rest of Ephesians 5, and you're so glad I'm not going to do it, you will see that as you walk in the love that Christ loved the church with and gave himself for it, it is the very love that will enhance every relationship in your life. It'll make every relationship whole. It'll make your marriage whole. It'll make your situation with your, your, uh, uh, the people that you work with whole. It'll make it whole. Walk in love. Number five, what is it about the church is so wonderful? It's a place where we walk in love. It's where you learn how to do things the way Jesus does them. And you know what? Jesus is working with you. Let me tell you, you men, I, I got to say this, but I know it's late, but I want to say this one thing. It's not that late. Actually, <laughs> the devil says time is short, but the church needs to understand our time is short. We need to do the things that matter. This matters. But in, uh, um, um, what was I saying? I know I'm, oh yes, I got it. I know, uh, uh, listen, I've been dancing too much. Listen, sometimes I see Christians and they will invest more time and more energy and more patience with people who don't know the Lord than they will with people that they are working together with for the plan of God. They will overlook faults. They will overlook, you know, they might say something mean to them, you know, somebody who doesn't know the Lord and maybe a neighbor or something, and they'll just overlook it and let it go. They'll let it go. But you know what? They'll come into the church building, and the same, the people that, 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 that they're working together, called together to function for the plan and purpose to God, the, the people that God has put them, connected them together with, if they say one thing they don't like, that's it. They mark them off their list. I didn't have nothing to do with them again. And they invest more of their time working out differences with people that don't love God than they do with people who do. Now, I'm telling you, God loves the world, but he gave himself for the church. Do you understand me? He gave him. Ephesians 5, he says, uh, 25, I think it is, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So I'm telling you right now, the greatest investment, let me tell you, I'm telling you, it's not what's happening in the world that is most important. It's what's happening in the church. It's what's happening in the church. I'm telling you, it's, we gotta, we got our focus wrong. We keep looking in the world to see what God's gonna do. We gotta look in the church and see what God's gonna do. And then let what's happening in the church just shine a light for all the world to see. 
The devil's just messing with your head. He's trying to use all your energy in the wrong place. You sure you love the world, but you work together with your uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and you do whatever it takes to work together. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. He's talking about Christian brothers and sisters when he says that. That's who he's talking about. He's not talking about people who don't love God. He's talking about Christian brothers and sisters when he says that. You say, why is it so important? Because there's a plan from heaven, and his plan is actually unleashed and actually nurtured by the church. It doesn't happen from the world. It happens from the church. If the church doesn't have it, the world is hopeless. In Ephesians chapter 6, I'm almost through. Got one more. Uh, First, it's a place of love. It's God's definition of love. And if your relationship with anybody in your life is not framed with God's definition of love, you got the wrong frame. You say, well, I love them. You know, I just love them the way I, you know, I do. Well, no, you need to love them the way God does. That's the definition of love, God, you need to get. You need to get a new definition. Somebody just misinformed you. Ephesians chapter 6, he says. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, i got to read this one to you. Number 6, what the church is. Number 6, number 1, it's a place of revelation. Number 2, it's a place of coming together. Number 3, it's a place of glory. God's glory. Number 4, it's a place of what? Unity. Oh, glory to God. United we stand, divided we fall. Number five, it's a place of love. And number six, it is a place. Finally, verse 10, my brethren. I said finally. Aren't you glad? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It is a place of God's ruling might and strength. You got a place of God's rule and strength on this earth and it's made to withstand the attacks of the enemy. I'm telling you what he goes right on to say. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. You say, what am I going to do in the evil day? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hook up with God's plan and I'm going to be strengthened with his reigning power and he rules and reigns in the church. Hallelujah! I'm telling you right now, there's a stirring in the hearts of people to join together for the plan of God. But don't get misguided with that stirring. Work it the way God's plan to work it. God's plan consummated throughout all the ages, now revealed, verse 10 of Ephesians 3, and manifested through the church. This is a place. This is a plan. It works. God doesn't need another plan. God doesn't need to do it any other way. It's a successful plan. And you are a part of it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus is Lord. Yeah, go ahead. And there is nothing greater than what God has planned. Just make your commitment. Just make refresh commitment. To build the church, to strengthen the church. So God's glory, God's power, God's love, God's reign can be seen in your generation. God bless America. This is a word that came forth from 
camp meeting in 1997. Now the end is at hand. What about the end? It is written, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Earthquakes, earthquakes and famine and many of these things have already come to pass. Many more shall shortly come to pass. Now this was in 97 as Brother Hagin was interpreting his own tongues. Many more shall shortly come to pass. It is written, even men, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceived and being deceived. And so you shall see it all around you. Evil men, crime wave, evil men, seducers, evil men waxing worse and worse, many being deceived. Oh, yes, but we are not deceived. For the curtain has been drawn and the glory of the Lord shines. And the cool breeze of the wind of the Spirit is blowing. Oh, the world waxes worse and worse. And in darkness does wallow. Yet the saints, the people of God, had light in their dwelling. They walk in the light, the Word. They walk in the light, the Spirit. They walk in the light of God's plan and purpose. Oh, Father, your plan, your plan be done. They walk. And the glory of God shines all around about. And many shall be turned unto the Lord. Many shall turn to the Lord. Great, great, great beyond your imagination. If it could be told you, if it was told you, it would be difficult for you to believe what shall shortly come to pass. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. This week we've learned, hold fast. Hold fast to the word, looking unto Jesus. Come, he said. The word made flesh is Jesus. God in the flesh is Jesus. Hold fast to the word. Hold fast to running out. You have already outran the devil. Hold fast, Rahab. Hold fast to faith. Take your place with faith. Hold fast to the gifts of the Spirit. Hold fast to the anointing. Hold fast to praise. Hold fast to healing. Hold fast tonight to the work of God in the church. Hold fast to the conviction in your heart. Hold fast to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Prove all things, but hold fast to that which is good. That means you have it. Now don't let it go. <laughs> oh, glory. So I'm glad you guys are here now because this church is going to fill up. Don't let anybody take your seat. <laughs> anybody in here tonight, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord. Everybody bow your head. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, 
and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.